Hey, what's up? Cody Birch here. Welcome to the show. And on Monday, I posted on episode 208, it was exactly how to leave your day job in 2019. It was my homage to Labor Day and honoring people that have, uh, if you have a nine to five job, I hear from so many people that say, I'm tired of doing that. I want to make the transition. Let's start to put the path in place or put the plan in place to be able to make that transition. And so I asked at the end of that episode, I said, hey, I love this type of content. I have a, a soft spot in my heart for people that are going through stuff like this in their business. So if you want to chat about it, please reach out. And I got an email or I got a couple of messages, but I got one email that asked really, really great questions. So today on the show, I'm going to do uh, my first ever um, uh, like Q&A, so to speak, where I've got the Qs. I'm about to give the A's to some of these questions that were asked. Different format. would love to hear your feedback once we get these questions answered. And as you know, or you're about to know, anytime you have a question or you want some kind of response or want to kind of have a conversation or think through a big idea, please email me or uh, or reach out on social media. I put my email address in the show notes and would love to hear from you as well. So without further ado, I'm going to unpack two big questions I got from the podcast that released on Monday, episode 208. And uh, one of them was kind of, I've got some money in the bank. How do I, how do I like, actually, how do I start to leave? Like, what would you do first? And the second was to talk about some contract negotiations that I did in my business that helped me hit the ground running. So those are the questions we'll answer and I'll see you there. Want to know what it really takes to build a thriving, profitable business from the ground up? Hey, I'm your host, Cody Birch, and this is the Cody Builds a Business Podcast. Your unfiltered front row seat to watching me build a seven-figure online business from scratch or die trying. Let's get started. All right, so I was really excited to open my email and get these questions from uh, a guy who's been listening for quite a while. His name is Andrew. I'll try not to give away his full identity, but Andrew, I, I, I know he's a listener of the show. So hey, Andrew, appreciate the questions and looking forward to really answering these for you and adding some clarity and giving you a little bit of a plan. But uh, Andrew, I don't want to read the full, I don't want to read the full email, but I do want to give you, the listener, some context of what his questions were. He mentioned uh, the podcast episode 208, and he said a couple things that he wanted me to think through. And so here's what he typed. He said, number one, I'm exhausted. When I get home from work, I've got nothing left. I've got some money saved up that would cover family expenses. And I'm paraphrasing here. Um, how prepared, other than having some savings, do you recommend I be? For, for me, he says, I'm finding that in the evenings, it's just just out of gas. There's just not, there's just not a lot, not a lot happening because it's easy to sometimes say, Hey, like it's easy, stay up late, like don't sleep anymore and uh, build a business. Uh, but he's just wondering what to do. Like, should I just go ahead and quit? Should I, uh, make a transition plan, et cetera. So I want to handle that first question, uh, that, that Andrew asked. So Andrew, thanks for the question. So when I was getting ready to have kids with my wife, I remember thinking, how do we know when we're ready to have kids? Like, how do we know? How much money should we have saved up before we get pregnant? How much, uh, what type of house should we live in before we get pregnant and all those things. And like, the funny thing is you can't plan for that. There's no dollar amount that a kid's going to cost. I was at, uh, the sporting goods store this week. Cause my oldest son, Jake was playing football. He needs like new pads and new pants and he needs a bag to put it in and a water bottle. Cause he was getting thirsty. I'm like, man, kids are expensive. Like there's just no dollar amount that I would have ever have known, okay, I'm now ready to have kids. To me, I think it's more of a mentality and more of a mindset that you're in to be able to have children. So that's like my take on that. And I think leaving your job is the same. If you have the right mindset that I'm going to make this work and that things tend to work out for me and these like mantras and beliefs that you say to yourself all the time, then I find that the universe kind of aligns and the world, the world tends to work out for you. So I would get really clear, number one, on the mindset that I am the type of person that can go create something interesting in the world that can solve interesting problems for other people that can provide for my family as an entrepreneur. Now, let me just give this footnote here. If you 
don't align with anything I just said, that's okay. This probably isn't the episode for you. Stay at your nine to five job and that's okay. I mentioned on the show this week, uh, Curran, who was a guest on the show, he, he like quit his job after coming to my event in June, which I thought was kind of interesting. But if you are getting that tinge, like the way that this email was phrased to me, I'm exhausted every day when I get home and I've got nothing left. It's like, okay, it seems like the writing's on the wall that it's time to put that transition plan in place honor your previous employer and any arrangements and agreements you have, try to exit with grace and nobility and honor their vision for their business that they set up when they hired you to do that job. That's that's the contract. Like that's how it goes. They need you to do some work and you do some work for them and you get a paycheck and, and you know in exchange for the work that you're doing for them. Honor that, don't blow it up and then put the transition plan in place. So in a way uh, he's asking like how much money do I need to have saved to make this transition? And I think it's the same answer as with the kids. Now, real talk, when I left my job, I would guess I had less than 5,000 bucks in the bank. I didn't have any retirement. I don't remember having a lot of credit card debt. So in my head, that was like my savings. Um, we did own a rental property that was rented, but I thought if worse comes to worse, I can sell that rental property and I can sell our existing home and we can go rent and we have enough equity in those homes to make about, you know, about a hundred thousand bucks, like before taxes. When I was making uh, $83,000 was my salary. So for me, that was like my mindset is how do I make about 7,000 bucks a month if I were to shift my job? And if I make 5,000 a month, how long could I make 5,000 a month before I'm in bankruptcy court? And I just got really dedicated and really disciplined in the knowledge and mindset of what it actually had to take. And I got really real with the numbers. So not like long term, like what's a year look? I, I didn't know, but I thought literally I'm quitting uh, January 31 was my end date in the month of February. I knew I had some paychecks coming in, so I had a little bit of buffer time. It sounds like you have some buffer time as well with your savings. And then what do I do after that? How do I make that transition plan? I literally thought, how do I make $7,000? How do I make $7,000? I don't want to be disruptive to my family. I got to make seven grand. Well, I can do seven clients at a thousand bucks. I can do one client for five and then four clients for 500. Like I was just piecing together the different things. And I had a, um, I used pipe drive which is uh, it's like 12 bucks a month. They might have a free version. It's a pipeline management system. And I put all my potential deals in PipeDrive and thought, here's people that might have ever had a question about around email marketing, funnel marketing, or Facebook advertising. And I started to reach out to them and let them know, like, I've made this transition. I'm a freelance, which uh, kind of funny side note, that's from, I heard the story that it's from medieval times. You had a freelance, like a free sword. You were a sell sword, as they call it in Game of Thrones. Like, you can hire me to do this very specific task for you. I'm like a mercenary. And I, I grabbed, I, I like latched on to all that type of mental pictures and things like that. Okay. So I reached out to people that I knew needed help in those areas. And they were a, definitely a warm market. I updated my LinkedIn profile. I uh, set up a calendar like I used to schedule once where you can use Calendly, like get that calendar set up so people can start to book discovery calls or conversations with you and then let them know, reach out via direct message via Instagram, not, not pitching your services. And Andrew, I forget exactly, or I don't know exactly what you want to do. Uh, should you jump out on your own? But if it's in a service type, if it's in a service type business, then uh, start to just put that in place. Like let them know for me, it was Facebook ads. Like I am available to run your Facebook ads. Um, I did, I also did sort of a, um, a beta launch where my first client was free. My second client was two or 300 bucks. I let them know, Hey, the full price for this is a thousand bucks, but I've got some, uh, <laughs> got some runway. I've got some time that I need to get before I ramp that all up. Would love to help you. So my first, some of my first clients were nonprofits here in Colorado Springs that I really liked and wanted to kind of serve their mission. And that was how the conversation went. Like, listen, I'm a really good Facebook advertiser. This the world doesn't know it yet. And the benefit to you of that is you don't have to pay my full freight. You get to pay a fraction of that while we get this cool result together. So 
part one, uh, Andrew or anybody considering is like a mindset and a mentality with that mercenary mindset. I'm going to make this work. I'm going to make it happen. Uh, number two, if you've got wife and kids and family and people depending on you, just be as like least disruptive as possible, just like mentally. Number three, get really clear with the worst case scenario. Like I literally thought if I make no money this year, I'll sell my rental house. I'll sell my existing house or rent an apartment that I've got a year to figure this out. So that was my safety net of sorts. I just knew I had the equity in my home and my rental property that we could do. And I never had to come to that. I, I didn't have to do that, but I was ready to do it. I also thought I had um, access to, I don't know what, you know, I, I added up what my limits were on my credit cards and what my lines of credit were. That was my access. And in my head, I'm like, well, that's, that's like a cushion. I'm not going to go bankrupt or foreclose on my house. I've got a couple tens of thousands of dollars on credit card uh, lines of credit I could use if I had to. And I've got equity in the home. So it sounds like you've got that via some savings, which is even safer and like more normal. But if that mindset's not there, if the shift uh, in your mind isn't there that like, I'm going to make this work with like a mercenary, then uh, I would recommend like waiting until that mindset parts there, which to me, I, I remember when I really hated my job, I would think to myself, gosh, I wish I would just get fired. Like, it's hard to make that decision. Should I jump or should I not jump? But to get fired makes it easier. Like, okay, got to do it now. I don't have a choice. And then for me, since I didn't uh, get fired, I it became so uncomfortable where I used to drive to the office and I would sit in the parking lot in the office and like give myself a pep talk because I so dreaded going into that office and doing work at the very end. I didn't like it. I didn't like the coffee. I didn't like the music. I didn't like the bathroom. I, didn't, I mean, I was just so like repulsed with what I had to do. And, and <laughs> that's not even justified. That was just like my mindset. It's like I, I, I got to make it to the end of the day. I got to make it to lunch. And at lunch, I can leave for a minute and go. And nothing was happening at that job, to be clear. There was nothing was going on. It was just so, it was so obvious in my mind, it was time to make that transition. Does that make sense? It wasn't like external forces. Like, you know, I had to, I was getting like whipped at work. Like that wasn't it. It was the internal force of like, I am so done with doing this for somebody else. I've got to do it for myself. Then I quit with no clients and a, a small parachute of lines of credit. I'm repeating myself. Okay. So that, that is my uh, first part of your first question. Um, I hate to tell anybody what exactly to do. So just like, I don't know, marinate on those ideas in, uh, in what I just talked about and just assess your own mindset. It sounds like financially, I'm not a financial advisor. I hate to put anybody in kind of financial uh, disruption, but if you've got a little bit of savings, a little bit of padding, then that gives you some of the comfort and freedom to go. Uh, I can make this work. Even if I make no money, we're good for a few months and then start to work backwards on that uh, amount of money you need to make. Like I said, for me, it was 7,000 bucks and then start to reverse engineer that. So I'm going to answer your second question in the next segment here. The second question that Andrew asked, he said uh, that I had mentioned that I negotiated keeping some of the work from my past employer as I launched my business. That did you do this prior to quitting or did you quit first and then have that conversation? And do you recommend uh, the way you did it or would I do it differently if I was in the same boat? So great question. And again, here's the background that I think is useful for that. Uh, as, as we all know now, I've, I've like embarrassingly said my salary over and over again, I made 83,000 bucks. I made 7K a month. And so what I proposed to that former employer is as I was starting to quit, I quit on January 9th. I'll never forget. Uh, broke the news. Uh, we went to Panera Bread uh, for lunch. And I said, hey, I've, I've got a great idea. You get all your stuff done and you pay me less. And he was like, uh, okay, what do you mean? It's like, well, I quit. I just want to be a contractor. So you don't have to pay me. You can pay me less. You don't have to pay me the 7,000. Just pay me 5,000. And I'll do all of the work I typically do for you and for the coaching clients. And people won't even really notice. And 
uh, without getting into like a lot of details that don't really matter, that, that is what ended up happening. It just took a while for us to come to terms. I, I, I misinterpreted how mathematically, um, how much math would play into it. Cause I'm an engineer math guy. It's like, it's like the most no brainer engineer proposal ever. Wait, I still get all my stuff done and I pay you less. I'm in, you know, I was like, he'll love this. Like I literally thought he'll love this idea. And, uh, he hated that idea. And then I realized through a little bit of like coaching and thinking and prodding and meditating, like, Hey, there's only at that time, there were three of us left at that company. So like one person leaving is a third of the company just quit. And it wasn't, it's such a small company and I'd been there for so long. I wasn't quitting the company. I was quitting this person. Like those are my words, not his, but like I, I started to try to understand why it was so difficult for him to say, that makes a ton of sense. Good luck. High five. Let's do it. Five grand a month. I'm in. Um, that That's not how it, it, that is kind of how it ended up, but it wasn't, it took us like four to six weeks to get there. So I turned in basically a three week notice, right? January 9th, January 31st is my last day. And then I remember, I think then that two week dip I might've mentioned was like, it, it was basically contract negotiations. He's like, I don't want to do that. I'm like, well, that's, that's fine. But there's like 11 coaching students who were expecting me to fulfill on these promises that you made them in the, in your coaching program. So what are you going to do with that in the meantime? Doesn't have to be with me, but like, what's the plan? And then I don't know. I, dude, part of me, I feel like I'm talking to nobody because it's just me in my home office here. So, uh, this is not, again, not from that former employer, but in hindsight, I wonder how much he thought I was bluffing. Uh, so just kind of a side note, like, I don't know that I wasn't serious. I've been there for 10 or 11 years. Is he really going to quit? Like, I don't think he is. And then I, I did. And and the rest is history, as they say. So um, that's how that worked. I did negotiate it or started to negotiate it or lay the groundwork before I actually left. But it was via like, hey, I'm quitting in three weeks. We have three weeks to figure out how to, how to go. Here's what I think we should do. That would be the least disruptive to your clients and to your business and to your workflow. And it would like honor me and my skill set and stuff like that. Second part of that question, you said, would I recommend the way I did it? Um I, I don't know, man, I needed that runway. I needed the stability of income, not desperately. Like I would have made it work anyways, based on the first part of the podcast today and that mindset. But you know, when you're used to making seven grand a month and you have 5k a month from one client, that's kind of nice and kind of tempting. Now, pretty quickly, I didn't need that anymore and got kind of annoyed with some of the, just some of the ways we were working together. And that's why I ended up ending that contract, uh, it was a different, different podcast for a different day. But in that, in the beginning, uh, the five grand was helpful and financially it was helpful. What I would have done differently is I gave way too much for the 5,000. Like I was probably still working like 20 or 30 hours a week, uh, trading time for money in a way, still asked to come into the office, still asked to be at a live event, still asked to do more employee type stuff and not contractor type stuff. So what I would do differently is get really clear on the delineation of responsibilities and what's new and what's different. I remember not wanting to come into the office, but I think I did. He's like, Hey, I want you in the office every Monday. If I'm paying you five grand a month, I want you in the office. And I didn't have a lot of leverage. I didn't have any, a lot of clients or a lot of confidence. I've been there for 10 or 11 years. So it's like this, it's this weird, weird kind of thing of like, um, I've never been through divorce and my close family hasn't been through a divorce, but it'd almost be like getting divorced, but still living together, you know, on Mondays. It's like kind of weird. Like, you know what I mean? That, that, the comedy of that, of, Hey, I don't love you anymore. And I want to see other people, but let's still hang out on Mondays. It's like, that's just kind of strange. So I should have delineated the tasks better, the time better. And then what happened is I got a lot more clients and I got a lot more confident and I, uh, realized 
once I got out from under the wing of that company and that contractor agreement, I realized how other people worked, how other clients paid me. And then I was making uh, way more money per hour, if, if that makes sense, you know, for other people building funnels. I was, you know, pretty quickly up to 20 K a month. And now the five grand a month doesn't really matter. Cause it's, you know, it's not that disruptive. I don't have it anymore, if that makes sense. So what I regret is not cutting the cord more cleanly and more quickly. And then the other thing is I held on too long, almost in like a purgatory. Like I was kind of one foot in the boat, one foot out of the boat. I quit, but I'm still here. I'm not an employee, but I'm still a contractor. And what I also did, I was very timid to announce to the world that I was taking on new clients. So what I should have done on February 1st, 2017 is updated LinkedIn, updated Facebook, did a Facebook live. What's up world? I'm here. I'm, I'm for hire, but I didn't do that. I wanted to be a little more quiet. And in my head, I was like, I'm being more respectful of this guy and his company. But that um, at some point, you got to do what's best for you, not for somebody else. So uh, that's my little bit of not regret. But like if I was going back through that, if you don't think you can cleanly uh, break up with your em past employer or current employer, maybe soon to be former employer, and uh, then I wouldn't try to force something that's unnatural. Just if you did it, it I guess like check your reasoning for doing it. If it's out of money or security, uh, but you have to put up with stuff you wouldn't typically want to put up with, I would say don't do that and go with your heart, as, you know, as it were, and like follow that and do that really authentically and boldly and bravely with a lot of courage back to that mercenary mindset and that freelance mindset and say, I'm forging out into the wilderness. I don't need anybody it's almost like a hot air balloon trying to take off, but everything's still tied to the ground. And then you cut a rope, but there's still five ropes attached and you cut another rope, but there's still three ropes attached and the hot air balloon can only go so high with all the ropes kind of holding it down. So that's my two cents on that. I'm not sure what your exact situation is there um, with your previous employer, but that's what that transition was like for me. So for anybody listening to that's like, yeah, I think I could make a clean break and go, or yes, I would still want to see, you know, train my replacement or, uh, you know, stay on board for a minute. But if, if you do, that's very fine. But put a, put an end date on that transition and then put clear milestones in place you want to achieve by a certain amount of time. So you're not there left in this weird gray purgatory, one foot in the boat, one foot on the dock way that doesn't serve you growing your business. I think my business would have grown a lot faster had I make had I made a clean break with that uh, with that previous uh, employer. And it also didn't, you know, the, the awkwardness of that led to a lack of referrals from that person. It, it, at the time, it would have made a ton of sense to say, hey, I do this specific, uh, we were in the speaker training niche and not in the funnel niche. I was in the funnel niche now. Was, you know, the Venn diagram of what he did and what I did was didn't even overlap. Um, but if it had been a little bit more of a clean break, it could have opened us up more to referrals where I would refer speaker inquiries to him and he would inf uh, refer uh, funnels and ads inquiries to me. And we maybe could have had a big, beautiful thing, but it, I think I mismanaged it enough and tried to hold on too long, not fully committed, not fully in or out where that wasn't my experience. So just telling you the, the kind of the full story of what that was like. And then the last question that I'll answer in the next segment here is what would I do if I lost it all? If I lost everything and had to start completely over in the next 30 days. And I will share that answer next. All right. The last part, he said, Hey, bonus question, maybe a podcast idea, which is what I'm, what gave me this whole idea in the first place. But, uh, you talk, uh, I, I did the one funnel away challenge. And then Russell Brunson right now has a, a hustle where he's talking about what people would do if they lost everything. And they had to have a plan in place. If they were totally broke and they had to make money fast, what would they do? That's the basic question. So I wrote down some thoughts. Here's exactly what I would do if I lost everything or quit this job. And or I don't know what in some weird world woke up tomorrow and 
wasn't uh, didn't have the podcast, didn't have the book, didn't have the course, didn't have the live events, didn't have the coaching program and the fam, what would I do to get started and rebuild that back up from scratch? Here's what I came up with. Number one, I would get really clear on my goals. I would look at my finances and say, hey, I need to make an amount of money. Let's say it's 5000 a month or 10000 a month. I would get really clear on that. Financially, what do I need? I don't think money is a great measuring stick, but it's a great measuring stick to get started. And it is like a scoreboard. You can look at your QuickBooks and say, okay, I made this much last month. I spent this much. I'm good to go. So set those goals and intentions very, very, very clearly, and then reverse engineer what you need to make it work. Okay. So if it's $10,000 a month, that's nice and easy math. You need 10 people to give you $1,000 or five people to give you 2,000 or four to give you 2,500 or two to give you 5,000. How you want to slice it is up to you. What I would do now with my knowledge and expertise and confidence I would do a $2,500 a month package for somebody, and I would just try to get four clients in that first month. Well, how would I get four clients with my expertise? Since I'm good at funnels and good at ads, I would go to people that I seek to serve, and I would give them value in advance and results in advance. Here's what I mean. There was a guy who's a speaker. His name is Clay Bear. I heard him speak, and he was absolutely phenomenal. He helps you nail your elevator pitch and how you explain what you do. So if you go to onehourfunnel.com or codybirch.com right now, it says build funnels faster. Well, that's from him because in the past it would have said like leverage the power of online marketing in 2019 to get leads and sales using automated funnels, like some stupid thing. I'm going to build funnels faster. Cody's my guy. A friend of mine, Nicholas Kuzmich, his website, I forget what it used to say, but it currently says scale at will. That's pretty cool. If you're the right seven figure, eight figure business and you want to scale at will with Facebook ads, like Nick's your guy. So Clay has this beautiful presentation, beautiful content, and he has this framework he teaches in his presentation. So if I were to, I've never done this, but if I were to, he's the first guy that came to mind, I would like watch his training again. And I met him at an event. He may not remember me, but I would shoot him. I would actually mock up a landing page in ClickFunnels on what he could do to collect leads and grow his list. Because when you go to his website, uh, I don't know what he does now, but let's say he didn't have the Facebook pixel installed. And let's say uh, he didn't have any kind of opt-in or it was just like join the newsletter, which I think is not a very good opt-in. I don't know, Clay, I'm making it up. I don't know what his site is. He's probably killing it. But I was like, hey, Clay, huge fan. Love what you did. Enjoyed our presentation last month. Was on your website and noticed that uh, a couple things. Number one, the Facebook pixel wasn't installed. If you ever decide to leverage the power of Facebook advertising in the future, it's worth figuring out. And here's exactly how to do it. And I would just like show him how to do it because I don't have access to the back end of his website. So that's of some value because he might want to do that someday. But I'm also risking he's like, nope, I never want to run Facebook ads. Uh, you're wasting my time. So What's even better is I would mock up a landing page as if he were paying me to get it set up as if, um, if that makes sense at all. So let's say it was his framework, whatever it was called with its own sexy name, like his four-step framework on how to get this cool result. I would make that landing page and I would borrow uh, branding from his site. I would make it look like his website as much as possible. Use photos from his site, use photos from his Instagram where you know he must like it because it's his LinkedIn profile pic. I'm sure he likes that as his headshot put that in and then say, Hey, this isn't functional. It's not connected to an email system. It's not connected to a Facebook pixel. This is just what it looks like. And this is what I do for people. So from here, I would love, you know, I've seen the power of online lead generation and building a list so you can make a lot of money and serve a lot of people for the long term. If you have a developer or a web person or a funnel person, like show this to them, if this is of interest to you and have them do it and like, have a great day. Oh, by the way, if you don't, you know, I can help people with stuff like this. You know what I mean? So that's massive value in advance. They, it's what they uh, see and need and feel, it makes them feel seen and heard and understood. And now you're demonstrating your expertise and being extremely generous 
by giving them the mock-up of a whole funnel or a whole landing page in advance. Uh, I have uh, done this. I did it actually with my wife when she wanted to work with a client who did Facebook ads. We mocked up a Facebook ad in like Canva or Photoshop or somewhere. So it looked like exactly like a Facebook ad. And it said, with his script, we used to write the copy, if that makes sense. So it was a picture of, um, it was a picture of a butler like holding with white gloves, a silver platter. And it said something like, want your events to be delivered on a silver platter. Uh, lots of entrepreneurs have this problem. Like, we'll use this guy's whole framework. Does that make sense? So we mocked up the whole ad, which isn't valuable to the ad guy. I just mean, it's kind of catchy. And then shot it to him in a proposal. Said, hey, I'd love to chat with you about your events. And he was like, this is awesome. You went to so much effort to get my attention and you're speaking my language and you use my template and my framework, which they totally recognized in this, in this fake Facebook looking ad that we made in PowerPoint or Canva or something, right? So back to my buddy, Clay, I think that would get Clay's attention. Now Clay can do one of two things. He can go get it mocked up and built and generate a bunch of leads and that's awesome. Or he can say, uh, excuse me, who are you? Why did you do this for me? And let's have a, a quick chat, Okay. So that's, that's what I would do to get people's attention is I would, a buddy of mine, Mike, he runs, he can run like an SEO web report and show you broken links and stuff like that. Like, so that's actually valuable. But for me, checking Facebook pixels, lead generation systems and funnels, I would, um, I would even go to like their business page and say, Hey, like I was on your business Facebook page. I didn't notice any kind of links. It was just to your main site. Uh, I work a lot with lead generation systems and sales funnels. I noticed that the, uh, the best way to get leads is not to send them to your site. It's to send them to an actual piece of content. For example, I've mocked up something like this based on your framework that I heard you share or that I heard you talk about on that Facebook live you did or whatever. That could be really cool. Right? So that takes some hustle. It takes some understanding and paying attention to what they know and how they teach it. But then they feel seen, heard, and you're so generous. You come across as so generous, which I think is very, very, very powerful. So that's what I would do to get their attention. So number one, get clear on their goals. Uh, number two, uh, do what I just said to get their attention, provide value in advance results, results in advance. Number three, I'd say make a proprietary system or framework. That's what I have in the one-hour funnel. There's lots of people that teach online marketing. I teach the one-hour funnel. What's the one-hour funnel? Well, there's three parts. Plan it, say it, do it. And here's what I mean by that. In the plan it phase, we do this, this, and that. And here's the characteristics, checkpoints, and milestones. In phase two, we do it this way. Phase three, we do it this way. I also have a system called one-hour ads where we do this and this and this. And that's my framework. It's my proprietary framework. I made it up. I use those words. So now I go from, hey, I do Facebook ads to I, I use the one-hour ads system, TM, trademark, that I developed after seeing what works and what doesn't work with Facebook ads, would love to show you how that system can work in your business. That just sounds way different than uh, like get a lot of spam for, you know, for SEO, like, Hey, and then it's all a bunch of typos. Typically people that are just spamming me and it doesn't make any sense uh, grammatically, but um, they don't have a system. They just want to do SEO. And I'm like, that sounds so commoditized. I want to know what's different. Okay. So that's step three. And then step four, make a clear package. What do they get? What can they expect? What is the cost? And that's the most recent proposals I've sent out is saying, hey, I'll create this lead generating system by this date, including it's integrated with Facebook ads and your email system. It doesn't include emails and blah, 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 but it does include this, this, and this. By this date, the investment for this uh, lead generating system is 2,500 bucks. I've got to think that if I hit up a person like Clay with that offer, that clearly using the one hour funnel framework and one hour ads framework where it's ad ready, and the cost is 2500 I would think I could get four people to take. Now, I might need to invite eight people to do that, but I would probably get four projects for 2500 bucks. Then I would charge 
in full in advance. If they don't want to do that, then do half now, half when you're done. I just don't like when they get to decide what the finish line is. I like to be in control of that. And that's how I would make 10,000 bucks that first month. Now it'd probably take me a day per client. So if I had eight days, which is, I would assume you'd work seven days a week because you're trying to figure this out. That's what I did at least. So start on Monday and by next Tuesday, you could have sent out eight of those. Maybe you do two a day. Maybe you hustle. It just takes you four days and not eight. But you send out eight of those proposals to people that you want to work with to get their attention. Not even proposals. You know, that makes sense. Like landing page mock-ups or ad mock-ups. For me too, you can also see what ads people are running. So if I really want to work with uh, another name that came to mind is Josh and Jill Stanton of Screw the 9 to 5. I just really like their business. I've met them at an event once. So I have like a kind of warm intro. I would do the same thing with them. I could even go to their page in Facebook and see what ads they're running right now. And maybe they're not running any. So then, then the conversation's different, right? Like I see you have this framework that you teach, but you're not currently promoting it with ads. Here's what an ad could look could look like. And I would run this to these different audiences. And now next step is if you're running ads or you have an ad person, go for it. Test it out. I'd love to know the results. I'll be looking for your ad when I'm scrolling the newsfeed. Or if you don't, I'd love to chat with you about my one-hour ads proprietary process that I developed to help people like you get a result that you said you wanted. Does that make sense? So that's what I would do. Um, get really clear on the goals. Get their attention. Demonstrate your expertise. Be incredibly radically generous and to get their attention. You have a proprietary system or framework. Make it a super clear package and rock it. That's what I would do in 30 days to get back to 10 grand a month. And I would try to close four of those clients a month. Now for me, after that, after I built the funnel, I would sell them ad traffic. If I have them ad with ad traffic, I'd want to keep them on a retainer for a while to continue to support their ads and support their funnels. Um, but that's my exact path. So uh, Andrew, thank you for your amazing uh, three questions. This was super fun for me. This is a really long podcast episode. I should have probably broken this up into three different segments, but uh, I didn't. And I'm uh, really grateful for your question. Hope you have an awesome weekend going into this weekend. Uh, Andrew and people like Andrew, hope this gave you some food for thought on the exact path to take to start to make that transition. This, this subject matter really is important to me. Not that I think everybody should be an entrepreneur and we should all quit our jobs. Um, I have people on my team. I don't want them to quit be entrepreneurial necessarily. I know how that works, but um, for the right person that that says what uh, Andrew shared, I'm exhausted every day when I get home. And like guys like me listening to like heavy metal music to get myself pumped up in the parking lot to be able to endure one more day of a job that I had very clearly realized I doesn't bring me satisfaction and joy anymore. This episode is for you.